0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Play. It's the most fundamental part of childhood, isn't it? But kids today seem to be missing out on play as spare time is consumed by extracurricular activities like tutoring, sport or music lessons. And I'm talking about kids as young as three, four and five. Marcus Veerman is a man who sees the diminishing availability of play in both developed and developing nations. He's the CEO of the non-profit Playground Ideas – and he helps to build playgrounds in places around the world where there would normally be none. Hi, Marcus. How are you?
1: Hey, how are you going?
0: Good, thank you. What inspired you to start Playground Ideas?
1: It's a good question, actually. Uh, I'm a bit unusual in that my wife got a position in Thailand and I uh, went over there um, with her. It was part of the deal when we got married. And actually, I really was just open to the idea of saying, Yes to whatever needs I saw over there that I felt kind of matched my kind of jack of all trades, half inventor, bit of a builder, bit of an engineering kind of mind. I just thought sort I of thought well you know I'll just say yes to whatever came out. And what ended up uh, coming out of that was building 40 playgrounds for Myanmar's um, refugees on the on the border of Thailand. Um, just it just happened that way. I started with one. Uh, And then a local school asked me to build another one, and then I that was in sort of north-central Thailand, and then I moved to the border, and um, I was asked to build another three more when people had heard what I'd been doing, even though that wasn't my first idea. My my idea was actually that I wanted to help design better classrooms, Mm
0: -hmm. um, because when I went
1: into them, they were so stuffy, just awful places, barren and um, packed full and hot as anything, and everyone kind of just looked at me and went we're okay that's you <laughs> so i kind of canned that idea and but but then as part of those conversations the idea of this playground um started to eventuate and then after i do five of them i sort of created a round table meeting with the ngos there were tons of ngos in that area and just said look I you know i think this is a thing and um we realized that there were about. I think, 70 schools in that area of which none of them had playgrounds. And then we narrowed down that list to 40 um, with a few basic criteria, you know, they had to have a long lease on their land or whatever. Uh, and then we just, every about 10 days, we were leapfrogging from one to the next, building a playground nonstop for basically two years straight.
0: Wow. Hmm. And so then it's expanded now. How does playground ideas work today?
1: Well, yeah, so after I'd done those that, that two-year stint, I was absolutely exhausted. And so I was newly married, and um, one of the things we'd been given for a honeymoon was a trip to Europe. So we jumped on a plane, went to Europe, met some German friends who helped us buy a camper van, and we travelled around Europe for about nine months on the smell of an oily rag. And during that time, I started thinking, I started getting actually email inquiries from people who'd heard what we'd done, particularly like Peace Corps volunteers, the word sort of spread through the network. But people saying, oh, we, we heard what you did in Thailand. We'd like to do it in Kenya or Uganda or South Africa or whatever. And um, and actually, while I was traveling, we were building almost as many playgrounds as when I was almost killing myself um, <laughs> on the ground in Thailand. And, and that's where I kind of went, well, maybe there's, you know, if I build 20 playgrounds on my own, maybe there's 20 people every year who might want to build a playground. And <clears throat> so then when I came back, um, through my previous uh, work, i had done worked with this fantastic program, Hands On Learning, in Melbourne. Um, uh, I had a couple of uh, – some contacts with some funders, and I, I went to them and said, look, I, I think I've got this idea. What if I documented – Everything that we did in Thailand, and then I put it on a website. Do you think we could build as many playgrounds, you know, for the same amount of money, essentially, with people all around the world? Kind of, you know, I'll give them the resources and I'll support them, and they will do the building and you know, um, constructing, and they'll hire local labourers and they'll do it all themselves. And I really love the idea of that because I'm a bit of an environmentalist, and I didn't want to i couldn't I couldn't work out the cost and also the guilt feeling of just flying around the world constantly um to kind of do all these playgrounds and it just communities didn't have that much money anyway you know the the cost of a flight was the entire cost of the program so, so anyway that that was the kind of idea and and essentially we've about every eighteen months we double our entire capacity of what we've done for the entire history of the organization Wow. So let's say we built, um, you know, a thousand playgrounds in the last, in the first five years, then over the next 18 months, we would build another thousand playgrounds.
0: So there's a lot of demand. And of course, you're based in Australia. You have a son. Um, Yep. And a daughter. And a daughter now. Yep. What do you think that parents in the West or in, I should say, parents in affluent countries, first world countries, what do you think we're missing when it comes to play? Because I imagine there's quite a difference between the, play, the places where you build playgrounds around the world and what you see happening to play here. I mean, both seem to be missing out on the opportunity to play, but for different reasons.
1: Yeah, and I, look, I, Australia is one of the most uh, incredible, I've travelled a lot and Australia is an incredible country We are full of, you know, I was just reading something yesterday that was saying that on this particular organisation scale that Australians are some of the most creative, they top the charts in terms of um, the most creative people in the world, you know, above the USA, above New Zealand and a bunch of other places and some of the more Nordic countries as well, which is pretty amazing. I don't think that parents don't value play. I think that actually Australian parents really see the value of play. We know it's important. We know it's important, even just on a sort of happiness, well-being scale. And we know that if children are happy and have high levels of well-being, they'll do really well at basically everything else. Um, I think what's happening is that a friend of mine, uh, Luca Parry, said the other day, a uh, saying that I've heard before, but he just reminded me that, you know, often we value what we measure instead of trying to measure what we value and unfortunately, things like test scores are easy to measure and we tend to value those because they're on a piece of paper in front of us. And so as a result, we've got something that we can measure and we can then do better at that. So we focus on that. And, and unfortunately, I think what's happening to play is it gets crowded out um, by these other things, which we kind of get a bit... Hyper focused on school, like the the entirety of the system of school, and I'm I'm really interested. I'd love to hear the feedback of your listeners, but we are so far away from an effective schooling model nowadays because culture is changing so quickly um, that I think we need to do something drastic. And a good example was something that was published in the Age that showed that the average Australian child has eleven thousand hours of schooling. Comparatively to the guys who top the educational charts, Finland, who have six and a half thousand hours—that's almost half the time. It's crazy. Mm. And so, what that says to me is, it is not. And this is—if there's one thing that anyone gets out of this interview, it is not a linear relationship. More school equals better outcomes for children. That is a chronic, perpetuated. Um confusion in our society there seems to be and I don't know I don't necessarily think that Finland's got it right it might be that I mean Finland what if they reduced their hours to 3000 hours of school I mean that would be fascinating right mm-hmm. to see whether they did even better I mean maybe there's a whole level of supercharged tar- children because they're actually doing less school so but there seems to be at, l- at least what we know is that that um well I can't say that we know this but but certainly for Finland's example That half the amount of school, it's possible still to do better than having 11,000 hours of school. And I think that regardless of what you think about the statistic or what you think about the solution is, that's the kind of thing that makes me sit up and go, there's something, that's the canary in the coal mine, there's something wrong here.
0: Anecdotally, I see the families around me. My daughter just started school, and she's one of the few kids that doesn't have sport or dance or music lessons after school. And I imagine as she gets older, her friends are probably going to start doing tutoring as well. Um, There are obviously a lot of benefits to things like learning an instrument or playing in a team sport. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on those sorts of activities after school and their place in the whole scheme of raising a well-rounded child.
1: So that just comes back to my previous point. If we reduce the amount of education by half, then we would have what Finland has, which is after school, because obviously people have, adults have still got to work, right? So we can't have children at home for four hours after school until their parents come home. So children need to do something um, so what Finland does is they have all these amazing sort of almost like elective clubs where they can do any number of different activities. And, and, and the trouble is what we've got in Australia, we've got this huge amount of school hours. And then on top of that, we've got all of these activities. And again, it comes to this crowding out issue. When children have freely chosen play, what they're doing is they're kind of making up who they are as they go along. They take everything that they've absorbed through all of these different channels, through school, through parenting, through all that observing that they do of all the people around them, and it becomes who they are in those moments where they are able to fantasy play and role play and and really experiment with who they are going. It's about who they are. It's not about who they're going to become. That's not what they're focused on. They're not focused on, if I practice now, I'm going to be someone in 10 years. They're practicing on... um, on who they are right now, and that will eventually become who they become. I think it's great to learn a musical instrument. I think it's fantastic to do this. We know the benefits of music. We know the benefits of all these other things. The trouble is that academic education is crowding out all of these the other diverse things that children could be, inverted commas, learning, but doing it in a very natural, organic, self-directed way, which, by the way, I think is um, this idea of self-directed learning, maintains the locus of control on the child, which is a critical skill as children go forward. This idea of keeping the control of a child's kind of learning, the control of a child's control, if that makes sense, their sort of self-regulation is within that child. As adults, that is one of the most highly valued traits, the ability to self-regulate, that When you get stressed, you don't go and punch someone in the face or (laughs) lash out or whatever. You know, that you can still maintain self-control, keep you cool and keep focused on the task. I mean, these, what they call executive function skills are absolutely critical for a modern sort of 21st century lifestyle.
0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Marcus Veerman. He's the CEO of Australian non profit Playground Ideas. We've just been chatting about what playground ideas do, but most recently we're talking about the benefits of play for children, such as them developing a sense of self, having control, agency, and getting on top of those all important executive functioning skills, which we all know kids need, particularly on their cusp of going to school, let's say, but all through their lives. Marcus, um, do you have any practical tips for parents uh, in terms of ways they can embrace play with their kids?
1: I think it depends on it, largely on the parent and the kinds of things that they enjoy. But I think playfulness is something that we all need. One of the hallmarks of the dullness of culture is a lack of play you know um, someone famously said I think it was Stuart Brown said the opposite of work is not play it's depression and what I think he was trying to say there is that work can be playful we, we sort of have this idea of work and leisure being a sort of opposite sides of the spectrum but actually the playfulness is is right through all of these things and I think you know adults need to rediscover their sense of playfulness their sense of joy. You know, I'm a parent of two young children and it's grinding at times. You know, I've (laughs) got no sleep and there's a million things on your plate and you're trying to juggle a million things as a parent. So, you know, if I'm speaking to parents, for me, what I because I can't answer that question for each parent, but for me, getting out into the bush is something that is really important for me. I started my career as an outdoor education teacher and used to spend, you know, 30 weeks a year out uh, in the bush. And, And it's always something that's been something that I really enjoy and so on a daily basis I've got a vegetable garden in the back and and particularly my son who's a bit older and I you know we pick the caterpillars off and rearing caterpillars in a little fox at the moment there's a great ex- sort of exploratory play thing that's going on between us as we watch these plants grow and then on the weekends, you know at least at least once a month if not once a fortnight if it's going to be a nice day on a Saturday or a Sunday, and we don't have, God forbid, another birthday party or something trying to lock us in, I just drive out to the bush and to, you know, Melbourne has some incredible places um, within an hour's drive that you can easily get to, and I just say, let's just go. A lot of people think that you've got to plan this stuff. I'm just like, okay, we've got a lovely day, we're not doing anything, let's go. Just get in the car, take a thermos and a couple of sandwiches, and we can be gone in, you know, gone an hour. And um, and then we're out in the forest and the trees and, it's, and having and an adventure. Yeah, having an adventure. <laughs> I mean, my my son calls it adventures. Let's go on a adventure, Dad. <laughs>
0: that's
1: and great. I, and I love it. Yeah. And that, so we that's our thing. You want to go on a adventure? You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll look at the map and we'll find see, you know where's the, which forests are around. Oh, let's what's that over there? Yeah, it's great. Uh, and that really re tops up my fuel tank. It re tops up my son's fuel tank. You know, because there's a lot there's a lot going on in in titties. And it reconnects us together because you know there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure in, in parenting these days. It's not like the fifties. It's very difficult to sort of like just to let your kids go out. We live next to a park, but just to let them go out there on their own, mm. um, you know, that's a constant thing between me and my wife that we discuss of how far can he go and you know. Are we putting too much pressure on, you know, someone else's mum's out there? Are they supervising too many kids and whatever?
0: Find find what you love and then do it together. Um, yeah. And look, finally, what is the year of awesome?
1: Playground Ideas, as I said, is growing uh, exponentially. And um, because we're open source and online, we actually need hardly any resources to survive. But, you know, you have, we have these huge jumps every year in the amount of projects that need support, the amount of resources that we want to make. And so I always like to take the kind of permaculture rule of, you know, if you're going to do something, give it kind of three uses. So we thought, what if we created something which was awesome for Playground Ideas in that it raised funds and helped us to support um, communities to build playgrounds all over the world? But the prizes also had a use as well. So the Year of Awesome is essentially 15 prizes for Victorian families that, they, um, that are kind of life-giving and resilience-building family prizes. So the first prize is a, um, a, a trip for a family to Vietnam with Intrepid. Um, there's a, a Wanderlings kind of this super cool Airstream trailer uh, and, and then an all-access path to the Peninsula Hot Springs. There's a Lakeshore house, which is this amazing house right on the Dalesford Lake. Um, for eight people over the weekend. So there are all these kind of things that are designed to bring families together to have of a venture. Or maybe I should put that <laughs> in the brochure for ventures. Yeah, but at the same time, be helping us to build all of those fantastic skills that we know children need uh, in the developing world. And here, you know, all, all of this stuff is, is, is essential. And, so, and the last thing is, just very quickly, schools. If they if this show goes out quickly, schools can easily give us a call or just email us through playgroundideas.org and they can register. And then, if they sell tickets, we will give them fifty percent of the ticket price, so that they can then cre- um, use those funds to create, uh, to purchase or create more playable. Um, resources in their school, particularly outdoor play resources are what we're focused on. Oh, brilliant. So it's a win for us, it's a win for Australian families and it's a win for Australian schools if they want to get involved. So I'm really excited about it.
0: It sounds like a great program. Marcus, thank you so much for speaking with us.
1: My absolute pleasure.
0: That's Marcus Veerman. He's the CEO of Playground Ideas. For more information, head to our website. We'll pop up all the links. It's kindling.com.au.